Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lisenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lisenby. So here we are, Kate, the final episode of season three. Cue the tears. I'm not <laughs> crying. You're crying. I'm kidding. It's me. I'm crying. <laughs> it's me, the tears. Listeners, these are tears of joy and gratitude, I promise. Yes, absolutely. Confirmed. Um, and before we begin, you know, we just really want to say thank you, listeners. Um, just speaking on both behalf of both of us, Kristen, but mm-hmm. thank you so much for your support, this community, this witch wide web, and a big thank you to Shelby Bundy, the creatrix behind Tamed Wild, and just to the entire Tamed Wild community, because this podcast would not be possible without everyone and it's just such a gift and an honor to do this work every week it is i'm going to piggyback off of your words kate um you know just lots of gratitude to the tamed wild coven our editor julio yes julio every yeah every person who listens and sends us messages and memes and questions and joins in on these conversations every week Thank you. We see you. This podcast is a reflection of the entire Witch Wide Web, and we are going to take all of this love with us into summer to help us dream up season four. Yes, but keep the memes coming, listeners. Please. <laughs> we need They're them. important. <laughs> but tears aside, we will save those for later. Today is dedicated to Feral Girl Summer, a phrase that has been tossed around a lot in pop culture recently, um, and that we are going to add a few layers to today, hopefully, along with a few thoughts on embracing the wild one within as we float off into the summer ethers. The only kind of summer that I want is a feral one. So today, as a Magic and Alchemy Season 3 send-off, we are talking about what it means to be feral feral archetypes and spirits of adventure and wilderness. Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes tells us to go out in the woods, go out. If you don't go out in the woods, nothing will ever happen and your life will never begin. And so, in the spirit of Feral Girl Summer, may we venture into the woods this season, spend some time with the animals and the trees, where Estes assures us that, bone by bone, hair by hair, the wild woman comes back, through night dreams, through events half understood and half remembered. 
Much like the words wild woman, pagan, shapeshifter, reenchantment, and witch, the word feral is undergoing a period of reclamation. And at Magic and Alchemy, Kate and I are here for it. A quick internet search with the word feral will lead you to topics such as feral folklore. So think Jungle Book-like themes of humans being raised by animals. Think of the wolf goddess Leto and her divine children, Artemis and Apollo. Or think of the mythical founders of Rome, Romulus and Remus, being raised in a den by their wolf mother. I also found conversations about feral huntresses like Artemis, Diana, the wild women of the woods, and their feral friends like Pan and the satyrs, all sorts of part animal, part human beings, and the fey folk. I found lots of feral fey folk. During my research for feral spirits, stories, and theories about what reclaiming this word means today in 2023, I was also introduced to feral feminism and feral femininity, a concept that was new to me but became my unexpected doorway into today's conversation. Kristen J. Solie, who wrote the 2017 book Witches, Sluts, and Feminists, also wrote a book a couple of years later called Cat Call, Reclaiming the Feral Feminine, an untamed history of the cat archetype in myth and magic. And while this book is great, if you want to learn more about the history of the cat archetype through a feminist lens, it's also wonderful fodder for the feral ones. In this book, Kristen says that, quote, feral femininity refuses domestication. See it in incisors that aren't ground down, a larynx that unleashes too loudly, a sexual appetite that refuses to heal. To be feral is to be untamed, and to be feminine is to contain multitudes. End quote. She goes on to say that the feral feminine is equally embodied by any person who might partake in feminine expression, cis and trans women and men, non binary femmes. It may be many things, but it is not bound to one kind of body. In her magical book, Seasons of Moon and Flame, under a section titled, What is Wild Must Always Change, author Daniel Dulski shares some thoughts on working with the moons, our elders, and within ceremonies, but then fiercely encourages us readers to, quote, be the outlaw and stray from the course from time to time. To some, the magic of wildness, the urge to be feral, can be seen as an act of play and magic and self-exploration, but it can also be an act of resistance, especially when it comes to our bodies. In the book Caliban and the Witch, Women, the Body, and Primitive Accumulation, author Silvia Federici explains that, quote, The body has been for women in capitalist society what the factory has been for male-waged workers, the primary ground of their exploitation and resistance. As a female body has been appropriated by the state and by men and forced to function as a means for the reproduction and accumulation of labor, end quote. And beyond the focus on women's bodies from a political and capitalistic perspective, All I can think about are the beauty standards and expectations that have become unwritten rules in Western society. 
And I'm not talking about those of us who want to wear lipstick, but the ones who feel like they need to for any reason, as if our inherent beauty, our feral appearances are something that need taming. From an opinion piece on id.vice.com titled, Feral Girl Summer is Coming, author Royston Lanigan quotes Gia Tolentino's essay, Always Be Optimizing, from her book, Trick Mirror, which examines what she calls the scam of feminine self-improvement. Quote, The ideal woman has always been conceptually overworked, an inorganic thing engineered to look natural. Figuring out how to get better at being a woman is a ridiculous and often amoral project, she adds. It's one that's increasingly a trap. End quote. In another article, this one from the Today Show website called What is Feral Girl Summer? When asked by Samantha Guthrie if she would be taking part in Hot Girl Summer, a phrase coined by Megan Thee Stallion in her 2019 song, Hot Girl Summer, the actress Rebel Wilson brought up Feral Girl Summer, instead saying, I heard about this thing called Feral Girl Summer. It's when you don't care. But maybe it's not so much about not caring in general, but not caring about the things we're, quote, supposed to care about. Maybe it's about answering the call of the wild, the things that whisper to us, the things that truly matter to us, the things that make us weird, but also intuitive. In another article titled, How Girl Boss Cannibals Slayed Pop Culture from TheFace.com, it says that, quote, the pharaoh girl doesn't have the energy to make or the time to do, but she has the animal instinct to feel. And this reminds me of another passage from Women Who Run With The Wolves when Dr. Estes says that the way to maintain one's connection to the wild is to ask yourself what it is that you want. This is the sorting of the seed from the dirt. One of the most important discriminations we can make in this matter is the difference between things that beckon to us and things that call from our souls. And I think in a world where we are told to restrict ourselves, whether it's with our too tight clothing or our oversized clothing because the too tight clothes are only acceptable when they're not too distracting or too unladylike, or whether we're restricting ourselves by hushing our voices because we don't think anyone will hear us, or maybe because we are so scared that we will be corrected or ridiculed or canceled for speaking our mind. In a world we are told to restrict ourselves by doing anything other than accepting ourselves for who we are right now and encouraging our wild spirits to roam and to sniff out new pathways and perspectives, might we be doing ourselves a great disservice? Might we be venturing further away from source and from ourselves? In the book, What is Remembered Lives? Developing Relationship with Deities, Ancestors, and the Fae, Authors Lafay and Parma discuss the energy centers in the body, specifically a pattern of three that shows up in various civilizations and belief systems throughout the world. But in this book, they connect these energy centers to the Jungian concept of the triple soul. The first body of this triple soul is the one I want to mention, and it's called the id, our primal self, where we find our, quote, connection to the animal body that we live in. 
The id is also referred to as our child self. It needs to be taken care of, like a child, but it is also primal, a bit wild and feral, end quote. Lafay and Parma suggest that this feral aspect is what directly connects us to our God self. And the idea that our primal, animalistic parts and the wild aspects within ourselves connect us to the divine perhaps speaks louder than anything else, at least to me. As an archetypal quality to play with, feral feels old, and in folklore and myth, the feral ones are indeed ancient. Baba Yaga, Karidwan, the Kaliak whose unknown age is the topic of many of her stories. And beyond timeless crones, the huntresses, the earth mothers, the feral feminists like Sumerian Lilith, like the river nymphs, the shape-shifting witches, they all endure. They are seemingly unending. These feral spirits spiral in and out of our conscious awareness and psyches. They are impossible to tie down, to tame. But why would we want to when we can ride along with them? From his essay, Walking, Henry David Thoreau said that, In wildness is the preservation of the world. And dare I also suggest that in wildness is the preservation of self. To be wild is to be free, hinged upon the moons, the seasons, and the feral gardens of our bodies. In her book, Holy Wild, Daniel Dulski gives us a beautiful, feral girl prayer to take with us on our summer adventures, if we dare. And so listeners, repeat after me. No more will I mutter my prayers in secret for fear of being called a wild-eyed woman of the moon. Find me in the woods, if you will. I'm not whispering, I'm howling. that the root of this word feral comes from animal nature itself having escaped domesticity whenever i go to my favorite camping festival with my best friend every summer side note if any listeners will be at electric forest in northern michigan this week find me we always talk about our feral nature I like to put up my autoresponder that says that I'm howling at the moon and going barefoot, and I go dance in the woods. To me, feral is a removal from the constraints of society as we know it. It is an invitation and an allowance to go full-on animal and impulse, which is not necessarily fierceness, but also tenderness, softness, ability to move at a different pace, removed from what we see as the structures that be. Like you said, Kristen, going out to the woods. And this reminds me of a Mary Oliver poem that I'd like to share. Quote, How I go to the woods. Ordinarily, I go to the woods alone with not a single friend, for they are all smilers and talkers and therefore unsuitable. I don't really want to be witnessed talking to the catbirds or hugging the old black oak tree. I have my way of praying, as you no doubt have yours. Besides, when I am alone, I can become invisible. 
I can sit on top of a dune as motionless as an uprise of weeds until the foxes run by unconcerned. I can hear the almost unhearable sound of the roses singing. If you have ever gone to the woods with me, I must love you very much. End quote. Feral as a form of praying. I also had to add this little stone from Dr. Estes. Uh, in addition to the uh, beautiful collection that you already presented, Kristen, quote, Be wild. That is how to clear the river. The river does not flow in polluted. We manage that. The river does not dry up. We block it. If we want to allow it its freedom, we have to allow our ideational lives to let loose, to stream, letting anything come, initially censoring nothing. When we were discussing this episode, one myth in particular came up for me in relationship to feralness. A myth that reminds me of the roots of my own feral nature as a child, as well as the roots of some of my first passions of myths. When I was young, my cousin passed down her copy of Hippolyta and the Curse of the Amazons by Jane Yolen. The summary is, Proud and brave, she lives for the thrill of the hunt and for the friendship of her fellow female warriors. Then, because her mother demands it, and in defiance of the laws of her people, she must take her newborn brother to his father in Troy, where she finds herself in terrible danger. To save her people, Hippolyta must defy the gods and even accept the help of a boy and learn what it means to truly be an Amazon, finding the courage to change the world. A YA feral icon, of course, mm -hmm. this book. Um, and I remember because of it asking my dad to tell me more about the Amazon's uh, fellow history buff and mythology lover and listener of this podcast. Hi, Dad. And I remember falling in love with the Amazon's fearless and feral nature. In Greek mythology, the Amazons are portrayed in a number of ancient and epic poems and legends, such as the labors of Heracles, the Argonautica, and the Iliad. They were a group of female warriors and hunters who were as skilled and courageous as men in physical agility, strength, archery, riding skills, and in the arts of combat. Their society was closed to men, and they only raised their daughters and returned their sons to their fathers, with whom they would only socialize briefly in order to reproduce. Courageous and fiercely independent, the Amazons commanded by their queen regularly undertook extensive military expeditions into the far corners of the world, from Scythia to Thrace, Asia Minor and the Aegean Islands, reaching as far as Arabia and Egypt. Besides military raids, the Amazons are also associated with the foundation of temples and the establishment of numerous ancient cities. The texts of the original myths envisioned the homeland of the Amazons at the periphery of the then-known world, and various claims to the exact place ranged from the provinces in Asia Minor to the Black Sea or even Libya. However, authors most frequently refer to Pontus in northern Anatolia on the southern shores of the Black Sea as the independent Amazon kingdom where the Amazon queen resided at her capital, Themyscira, on the blanks of the Thermodon River. The queen of the Amazons was Hippolyta, and the name Hippolyta comes from the Greek roots meaning horse and let loose, which to me is feral girl summer embodied. Hippolyta was a daughter of Ares and Otrera, 
And Ares is famously the god of war, who we have spoken about a bit before on this podcast. And Otrera is the founder and first queen of the Amazons, the consort of Ares and mother of Hippolyta and Pentha Celia. She is credited with being the founder of the shrine of Artemis in Ephesus, which, of course, ties back to your mention of Artemis and feral femininity, Kristen. From Callimachus, hymn three to Artemis, quote, For thee, Artemis, to the Amazons, whose mind is set on war in Ephesus beside the sea, established an image beneath an oak trunk. And Hippo performed a holy rite for thee, and they themselves, Opus, queen, around the image, danced a war dance, first in shields and armor, and again in a circle, arraying a spacious choir. And the loud pipes thereto piped shrill accompaniment that they might foot the dance together, for not yet did they pierce the bones of the fawn, and the echo reached unto Sardis and to the barrack Thinian rage, and they with their feet beat loudly, and therewith their quivers rattled, and afterwards around that image was raised a shrine of broad foundations, that it shall dawn behold nothing more divine, not richer, easily would it outdo Pytho." End quote. Hippolyta is famous for wearing her father, Ares' zoster, the Greek word found in the Iliad and elsewhere meaning war belt. Some traditional English translations have preferred the more feminine-sounding girdle, and Hippolyta figures prominently in the myths of both Heracles and Theseus. And of course, if I'm going to talk about the Amazons, I also have to talk about the creation of the character Wonder Woman, also feral. The Amazons of Paradise Island were first created by William Moulton Marston as part of the origin story for his creation, Wonder Woman. These Amazons were a race of immortal superwomen that lived on the magical Paradise Island, favored by Aphrodite, the goddess of love. The Amazons thrived in peace for centuries, but remained aloof from the world of man. The youngest and most powerful of the Amazons, Princess Diana, left her protective nation of sisterhood, renouncing her immortality to fight the forces of evil in man's world as Wonder Woman. Smithsonian wrote, quote, In February 1941, Marston submitted a draft of his first script explaining the undermeaning of Wonder Woman's Amazonian origins in ancient Greece, where men had kept women in chains until they broke free and escaped. The new women, thus freed and strengthened by supporting themselves on Paradise Island, developed enormous physical and mental power. His comic, he said, was meant to chronicle a great movement now underway, the growth in the power of women. Wonder Woman made her debut in All-Star Comics at the end of 1941, and on the cover of a new comic book, Sensation Comics, at the beginning of 1942, drawn by an artist named Harry G. Peter. She wore a golden tiara, a red bustier, blue underpants, and knee-high red leather boots. Love it. She was a little slinky, she was very kinky, and she'd left paradise to fight fascism with feminism in America, the last citadel of democracy and of equal rights for women. End quote. It seemed to gains like much good, clean, super patriotic fun, but in March 1942, the National Organization for Decent Literature put Sensation Comics on its blacklist for publications disapproved for youth. For one reason, Wonder Woman is not sufficiently dressed. End quote. Wonder Woman 
this iconic and a favorite figure of mine, a bisexual icon. So happy pride also fellow witches and tied with these divine roots of feral women. So I have an assignment for you listeners this summer, throw your phone into a lake, run naked, singing loudly around a fire Find yourself born from Aries, be the founder of Amazons, leave offerings for Artemis, sit under a moon, and go into the woods. Pray, be wild, be outlaw, walking off the path, howling for all the feralness on the fringe of history. Thank you so much for joining us today and for season three of Magic and Alchemy, a podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we're Kristen Lizenby and Kate Ballou. You can find us online at Easton Alchemy and at K8 Ballou. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram at tamedwild or on the blog tamedwild.com. Join us for next month's bonus first episode of the summer, a conversation about planetary magic. Just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it, so mote it be or something better. Until next time. <laughs>